Welcome to the Football Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number Nine. And this is the Fool. Hello, everyone. We hope to today finds you all healthy and safe. Uh, we're nice and cozy down here in Auckland, New Zealand, enjoying our th- fourth level three lockdown. Fourth? One, two, three, four, fifth, sort of. Fifth. There was, fifth, what, sort of. The, there was the downtown one, which sort of impacted yes. us because that's where we worked for like yes. a day. And then yeah, the right. two here were just sort of linked. But... So it depends how you count it. Three, four, or five. Basically, we're not going anywhere, so we decided we definitely should do a podcast because yeah, yeah. it's been a while. Well, it's so, been a while since since our last football po- podcast, especially. It's been a good six weeks. That's true. Um, in that time, we've had a Super Bowl. We've had New Zealand qualify for the Test World Championships. Snap, Woo-hoo. snaps. And technically, it looks like India will also qualify because South Africa have complained to the ICC, and Australia will be give the the points from that series will be it'll be considered a forfeited series. Oh really? Oh right, Australia's yeah. tour of South Africa. So yeah, those yeah. points will be given to South Africa, which will ah. decrease the percentage points for Australia and let India qualify, which I think is fair. Just yeah, no. putting it out there, I'm not being anti Aussie. I think. India have been the best team in this oh, no. Test Championship World Champ. Other than when they got thrashed by New Zealand in New Zealand, which yeah, happens yeah. to everybody, unfortunately, that um, sort of has they have been like the best Test team uh, in the world. Yeah, in the last three or four years. Oh, to me, it was should have only been one of two teams: either India or England. In England, if they happened to beat India four 0 in England in India, you know, then they, they would have deserved it. I they agree. would have deserved it. Like, yeah, you you just won like. They would have won six games in a row in the subcontinent. Like, yeah, you get to go to the final. That's amazing. But yeah, then the Indian grounds were like, yeah, no, you're not winning these ones in England. Without starting a cricket podcast, I think, what do you think about the whole grounds debate? Because we happily put up green tops here in New Zealand. And uh, I don't have an issue with, because I don't think it was terrible, uh, really bad. And also, like England had spin bowlers, yeah. they could. <laughs> You're going to the subcontinent. Take spin bowlers, yeah. like that, you know England what the pitchers are going to do. Bowlers. And the bat, bat, the batsmen just didn't apply themselves. I thought, like no. a lot of uh, people were saying, like they got out playing shot, uh, playing and missing to balls that went straight. Like, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I understand mistakes happen and they get compounded when you think there's demons in the pitch, but that's not really India's fault. No, no. Or the groundskeeper's fault. No. And India are one of those teams that do not complain about foreign pitches when they come. Like, New Zealand have given them a dog's breakfast so many times when they've come to tour here and they've never complained about the pitches. Like a little bit, but like, yeah, it's pretty green, but that's about as far as it goes. And like, yeah. And like, everybody's entitled to say that. Like, that's not a gripe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was the test earlier in the summer. Where at Hamilton, where basically you panned across the field and you're like, "Where's the pitch?" It's just all, yeah. all infield. Like there is no. It was that green. And, it's, yeah, and I think England won that toss and didn't choose to bat first, which is like the crucial error. Yeah, that's how they lost that game. Like that was a bat first pitch. I don't yeah. understand why you wouldn't bat first on a pitch like no. that. 
and like, yeah. that was crazy. You say I'm I'm with you on the pitches debate. Like if you're playing in a home country, the home groundsmen are going to prepare home conditions, and you know what they are. Say so in India, it's going to be a spin friendly pitch. You prepare for a yeah. like heavy spin attack, and that is going to turn early on. Say so in New Zealand, it's especially early in the year, it's going to be green. You know, you know that, but you also know that the New Zealand pitches tend to dry out as well pretty quickly. So it's a yeah. session or two of, of green, semi stuff, and then it's going to be batter friendly for most of the rest, and then maybe a yeah, little bit up and down. There's the still bad first pitches, in my opinion, oh, in definitely. New Zealand's green tops, because while they're green and they're quick, and you got movement through the air, the pitches are not uneven. They have good even bounce, and the ball yeah. comes onto the bat. Yeah. So if you stay in, be patient. You there are runs to be had in yeah, New Zealand. Definitely. There's no definitely, and, and I think, I, I think Virat Kohli complained about that when they toured New Zealand last. Yeah, that the batsmen were not applying themselves. Yeah, yeah, that was his complaint. It was his own batsman. Like, look, you just have to like, yeah. don't ignore the color of the pitch and just bat like it's a, yeah. a proper pitch, and you're fine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, moving on to the football. Last we spoke, the top four has changed slightly since then. Um, we have uh, the two clubs from Manchester, Manchester City, who I predicted, I think, to take it away and start going in towards the top of the table, which they have. I think none of us are surprised by that. Like They got all their bad games out of the way, um, and they... They went through that run where they got they had a lot of injuries by playing ugly ball and winning. Yeah, yeah. And that's the form of champions, in my opinion. Like that's what you need to win. Like play badly and still win. Yeah, exactly. I think that we, wins you championships. Exactly. I think the only thing that we were that we could say we were surprised about is just how far Man City's gone ahead. Like we knew they were going to be there. It was going to be City, United, Leicester yeah. is going to be that top three battling it out. And that yeah. this last six weeks, we're going to determine it. But the City have just won all those games. And so they're just like, see you guys, we're winning this. We're done. Off. We're off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, think yeah. with uh, 11 games to go, we can call them almost champions-elect yeah, at yeah. this point. Um, the Pretty close. 14-point uh, lead. 14-point lead. Yeah, with 11 games to go, that's going to take a lot of hauling back. Yeah, yeah. And... Le- Leicester are not far behind. So United and Leicester are basically fighting for that second place spot. Yeah. Neither of them will want to take Champions League qualification for granted, especially Leicester after last season. Yeah, yeah. So I am. Uh, well, I think though it's probably a bit too far for West Ham and Chelsea at this point to catch up, even though yeah. they do have a game in hand. Yeah. yeah. Um. It is there West is- Ham. West Ham could easily sneak in a third if one of those two teams start playing really poorly. Yeah, I was going to say, it is a, it's a close chasing pack. I mean, West Ham 45 yeah. points, Chelsea 44, Liverpool 43, Everton 43, even Tottenham 39. I mean, that's 11 points from Leicester, but yeah. still four through seven. You know, that's only seven points but, back from Leicester. And so. Spurs, I think more importantly for them, are a a game behind two games, yeah, West Ham. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a game behind. Are they two games or a game behind West Ham? A game behind uh, West Ham and two games behind Leicester. That's right. Uh, but uh, to get that fourth place spot, yeah, yeah. Uh, if they win that game in hand, uh, then yeah. yeah, then they get to forty-two, 
which puts them well into the Champions League conversation. At this stage, oh, yeah. they wouldn't even qualify for the UEFA Cup unless they won the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. So, they say the game in hand, so. Yeah, in that say, similar position, we've got Aston Villa, Arsenal. Yeah. I think Aston Villa and Arsenal are in the position where they are uh, also going to try and catch up to that chasing Euro- European pack. Um, well, Aston Villa, so Aston Villa, Tottenham, and Everton all have got that extra game in hand as well, whilst Arsenal's yeah. on 26 games. So they're a little bit further off the pace because they're only on the same amount of games as West Ham and Chelsea and Liverpool. So, And they're a good well, mm. eight points behind West Ham. So it's yeah, looking yeah. less, in, and their form hasn't been stellar. They've won two out of the last five games. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's looking more and more harder for Arsenal to... The creep up in there. I think so too. I think also I think Spurs they have too many issues in the dressing room. I yeah. think there are problems with Mourinho. Um, by the <laughs> way, I am not one of those people who are predicting the downfall of Mourinho and he'll never come back. Absolutely no. not. Um, be but he'll definitely be back. I'm just saying that it was a tough job at Spurs, but this could be his first club where he doesn't win anything. Yeah. Um. Because like I don't see him staying on if they don't get a European qualification spot. Because at this point, firing Mourinho for not qualifying for the Champions League is pointless because he doesn't look like he was going to qualify for the Champions League a few games ago. No. Um, and it's a very hard task now. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much point firing him unless it, it looks like you know Spurs are going to fall outside European qualification full stop because at least a Europa Cup spot next season, Mourinho can win them a Europa League. You know, yeah, they're, yeah. then they're back in the Champions League. I think. Yeah. Um. So maybe that's what Spurs is thinking. I don't. I'm not going to claim to understand how Daniel Levy's mind works. No, no. Um. Uh. I'm sure he knows he's going to make a good decision because Spurs have gotten to where they are under his. Uh you know, guidance. Um, and he's not afraid of getting rid of people and bringing in fresh blood to change things up and make sure it's, uh, make sure things get through. Um, the other side of the table, relegation. Once again, I think West Brom and Sheffield United are pretty much uh, done for at this stage. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think it's even beyond a great escape now. No, but like, basically, that that 18th spot, who was going to climb out of it? Like, a few weeks ago, I made the bold, bold prediction that I thought my Fulham uh, great escape might happen. Ooh, ooh, they are maybe doing it. I was like, two weeks ago, like, yeah, relegation's done. Yeah, yeah. Fulham's not doing it, but it's looking <laughs> I now. I told you, yeah. man, Fulham could do it, man. The great escape's on. This is the thing, like, Fulham, given how rich their owner is, should just never be relegated. The thing is, Fulham have got two very tough games coming ahead with Liverpool and Manchester City. Oh, yeah. Um, followed on by a game with Leeds and then Aston Villa, uh, Wolves and Arsenal. Ooh. The thing is, if they can get a point in one or two of those games with uh, Liverpool and City, they're in. Yeah, yeah. Those are po- those are golden points that they shouldn't oh, earn, different. and then, and then uh, I think because Villa, Arsenal, and Wolves are not going to be relegated at this point, and even Leeds, um, Fulham are going to be fighting for their lives. Those are the games they could definitely try and 
uh, attack the opposition and try and get three points to go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, following on from that, they do have a relegation six-pointer with uh, Burnley in May the 9th, which could end up being the decider game. And there's also a relegation six-pointer with Newcastle United. Those two finals games, I feel Ooh, yeah. like I'm going to make a really, really bold prediction. May yeah. 24th, Fulham will have already been safe, and it wouldn't, won't matter what that result is oh. against Newcastle United. Oh, that is a bold decision. A bold prediction. That is my bold prediction. Super but like bold. I said, I've been predicting Fulham, yeah. and they have a game against Manchester United. Uh, they have a local derby against Chelsea and, yeah. uh, in the beginning of May, and they have the six-pointer with Burnley, Newcastle, and then another mid-table game against Southampton. So not yeah. easy, no. uh, but once again, it'll be up there with amongst one of the big great escapes we'll have had if they do pull off what I think they will pull off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it hasn't been... They weren't horrendously behind, but they did have bad runs in there. But yeah. yeah. That's, they're definitely closer than what I thought they were going to be, especially six weeks ago where I thought they were done and dusted. But but yeah, potentially even West Brom, like Sheffield United, I look at and go, that's it, they're done. West yeah. Brom at least have got sort of, well, they've got a game on I think, Burnley, I guess. I think but, they have a game on, and I think West Brom are going to try their level yeah. best, obviously, to stay up. Um, I West Brom have a game, uh, and speaking of West Brom, uh, they're facing Newcastle, um, and then Newcastle faces, basically the rest of this month, Newcastle has two relegation six-pointer games, one against West Brom, one against uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, and they also have a game against Aston Villa. Villa yeah. have to be careful. Yes, they're technically out of the relegation zone, um, but they have to try and pick up these games against these relegation strugglers now because these are games in hand. It's going to be more and more difficult for Villa to make up games later. We, You and I have spoken about this. Yeah, yeah. And Villa don't want to have to be in a position where they have to play three games in a row over two weeks and they need to win two of those games to not get relegated. That's a very tough proposition. Yeah. I, I don't think they'll be looking at relegation. I mean, they're already on 39 points. That's pretty safe. Yeah. But the same point, is... that, yeah. actually with Villa, I think it's the other way around. Like, they need these points because they've got two games in hand on the top. Well, one game in hand on the top four, but two games in hand on the top three. So, mm. like, they need those those points to keep the pressure on to four European spots. Like... They can't be dropping those. If they drop those to Newcastle or anyone like that, like they can wave goodbye to European football next year. And they That's are true. close to, enough to it to smell it. Like they've got the game in hand. They're thirty-nine points. That's yeah, right on that tipping point. They just need to push through to the end of the year. And their form has been a bit up and down. Lost two of the last five. One two yeah. of them drawn one. So that's true. Yeah, but. Keeping on with the other guys in the relegation battle, the Newcastle have Spurs in April, uh, Burnley, another six-pointer game. They play West Ham and they play Liverpool. Two tough games against potential top four finishing teams. Then they play Arsenal and Leicester and Man City, three in a row. Yeah. Uh, followed by Sheffield United, and then that. What I I think will not be a six-pointer because Fulham will be safe against uh, Fulham. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, and given the, well, not the game before, but you know, three of those last four games, or f- actually four of the 
you say from West yeah. Ham, West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, Man City, or Newcastle. That's that's a pretty harsh end of April, beginning of May. For them. sure, they end on two, you say relegation battles: Sheffield United and, and Fulham to potentially. I think save Newcastle have the toughest road ahead. Oh yeah, they they, they have the points in the bank, which is what's keeping them in an easier position. But they have yeah. the toughest road ahead because though Brighton are close to not. To also having a pretty tough road because their next game is against Leicester, yeah. followed by a South Coast derby against Southampton, and then that relegation six pointer with Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the beginning of April, they go to Manchester uh, to play United. Uh, they play uh, Everton, and uh, at home they play Chelsea away, and then they play Sheffield United, which could potentially also be a six pointer depending on how Sheffield United are playing at yeah, that yeah. point. I, sh- I think it had to be a six pointer. That's Sheffield United had to pull something magic out of the hat, but yeah. And then the they've got five games in May over three weeks, basically playing Leeds, Wolves, West Ham, Manchester City, and Arsenal. Yeah, pretty. So harsh their May schedule teams. are that doesn't have a six pointer in that, uh, but they're all tough games. I feel like West Ham's going to be fighting for the top four spot. Wolves is going to be fighting for a European spot, maybe even Leeds and Arsenal. Yeah. And uh, Manchester City, maybe by then they will have been champions, but Manchester City doesn't lose games. No, exactly. It's just not in their DNA. They're not going to lose to Brighton. They're, like, like, no, sorry, they're not going to give Brighton an easy go. They're going to, even if they play their kids to give them experience, yeah. Because uh, they, they have a European you know, game uh, to play and they yeah, give yeah. their kids a game. Their kids are going to play hard because they want, a game, uh, they want yeah. uh, to be in the starting 11. Yeah, exactly. Brighton's going to need those points before those last two weeks. So yeah, Fulham's, Fulham and West Brom probably, have, Fulham especially has got a very good chance for that great escape. West Brom, I haven't looked at their schedule, but they do as well. Uh, Fulham, but I think yeah. we should discuss Burnley because they're still in in that relegation dogfight. Yeah. Um, technically, I think they will be safe because of the experience they have, but they have the game against Arsenal. A game against Everton, but only two games left in uh, in this month, so that's a pretty good schedule for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they should have their players nice and rested up before they play Southampton, um, who might get into the re- relegation dogfight because they've had a pretty bad week, uh, bad few weeks rather. Um, they play Newcastle um, at home, uh, which is a game they can win. Uh, uh, Man United away and the Wolves away. Two potentially tough games and then a tough game against West Ham at home. And then they play Fulham, Leeds, Liverpool and Sheffield United. But I feel like by the time they're even playing Fulham, Burnley will probably be mathematically safe. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's going to be one way or the other at that point, right? Yeah. Either it's... Yeah, I don't think that'll be a dogfight for Burnley. I think maybe at that point, Burnley will need a draw in their next four games to yeah, stay yeah. up sort of thing. Yeah. And they still have a game against Sheffield United at the end to Yeah. And let's go everything before that's just gone horribly, horribly wrong for Burnley. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right, that's just not going to it's gonna to get to the point where they should be fine. Yeah, yeah. I feel like because Southampton could also still get releg could fall into this relegation dog fight. Well yeah, because um, they've absolutely fallen off wheels have fallen off for Southampton, haven't they? They have. 
And with Southampton, um, I, like I said, I don't think they necessarily will. Um, but they've got a game against Sheffield United next, which is, uh, that's going to be a tough game because Sheffield United are trying to stay up. Um, they're playing um, Brighton and Hove uh, and Manchester City, and then they're playing Bournemouth Bur- uh, in the FA Cup. So a bunch of South Coast derbies there for them to play. And then they've got, uh, in April, they've got Burnley, um, West Brom, and Crystal Palace. Uh, yeah, yeah. No easy games there. Uh, they've got, in the last month, they've got Leicester, Liverpool, uh, Fulham, Leeds, and West Ham. And potentially a bunch of these teams are chasing European or fighting relegation. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty scrappy end for them, really. I would, I sort of feel, once again, that come May, they should have themselves sorted out one way or the other. Either it's yeah. dogfighting time and they'll just have to scrap it out, or they've got it sorted. I say, same with you, I don't think they'll really fall into the relegation fight, because it's still a good... I suppose it is only seven points off Fulham. Um, mm. But... And they have been... So bad recently. Like, I feel like they've been at 30 points since before Christmas. <laughs> like, Yeah, I feel like the next pack, Crystal Palace, Wolves, the Leeds, they're all close to the mid thir- around the mid-30s, so they yeah. should have enough points to go ab- above 40 points, which should be enough to not be relegated. Especially this year. Like, I'd... Yeah, yeah, especially with two teams, like, absolutely terrible. Yeah. That, actually, no, 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 that is the opposite. Usually, if you have two teams that are absolutely terrible, you might have a uh, an 18th place team that has as high as 43 or 44 points. I think I West Ham once got relegated with 45 points, Ooh. because... There was a Derby team that year which had only nine points. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good point, actually, yeah. There's lots of points being lost to the lower down than there. Pushes yeah. that, that threshold a whole lot higher. But at the same yeah. point, like I don't see Fulham, Newcastle, Brighton, Burnley getting much above 40 points. So, mm-hmm. like, I think, yeah, you say that next tier up, Crystal Palace, Wolves, Leeds... Yeah, it's only a couple of wins. I think if you're forcing me to choose, um, if you're forcing me to choose, and because I've already said that I think Fulham are making the comeback and making the great escape, um, and I think West, as much as I hate to say it, West Brom will go down and Sheffield United will go down. Uh, both teams that I have a very soft spot for. Um, Another team which I have a soft spot for, which I will hate to see go down, which will be Newcastle United. I feel like they're going to be the team to go. There's just too much insecurity at the club. There's like uh, the dressing room. And I think, uh, if especially if they Steve Bruce is still around, I don't think Steve... I think the dressing room has lost confidence in Steve. Uh, which yeah. I hate to say because he's a Man United legend. but yeah, And he's had a decent uh, career as a, a manager, but... There's a reason why he's a journeyman and he has so many clubs on his CV. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, I'm still going to keep with my previous predictions, which is that Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United are going down. Um, I think Newcastle, though their form's not great at the moment, um, I think they're still just going to just scrape it through. It's just yeah, like they're going to. It may come down to that last that game. You know, Newcastle, Fulham, maybe the the decider about who goes up, who goes down. But 
I just feel that Newcastle's perhaps just going to scrape that one through. Fulham, all their hard work, will just miss out on it. So Potentially. Yeah. I, uh, it will be interesting one way or the other, I'm sure. Like, that part of the table is totally uh, gearing up. Like, just as much as the top of the table seems to be almost solidifying, like, our top three at least, uh, and two and three, the order might change. But I feel like that top three is top three right now. Like they've yeah, yeah. they've just starting to edge ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah and then it's going to be that next uh, the next four teams are all capable of taking that fourth spot. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think that the actual battle there is for the European spots. So who gets fourth for the last Champions League, and then who fits into the UEFA slots in what order? But you say that's. Four through eight, perhaps even nine, outside chances through ten through the Arsenal. Like that's still six teams going. And I will point out that Everton have two points in hand on Leicester. Um, So if they do win their next two games, uh, the two games in hand, they will be on forty-nine points. Yeah. So So I will adjust that. So Everton. Everton could actually sneak into third if one of the if Manchester United and Leicester continued their bad run of form in yeah. terms, especially on their attack. Like both teams seem to have lost the ability to score. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that Chelsea United game. Dear God, talk about lacking in scoring opportunities. Oh my gosh. I mean, the goalkeepers played well. Don't yeah, get yeah. me wrong, but that was not a game that should have ended nil all. No. Like, it was just crazy how dour it was in the end. Like, especially since both teams had plenty of attacking talent and looked good for it as well. Like, there were moments, but it just, those moments never really connected. And it just, I guess, yeah. both teams were wanting to win the midfield and both were battling to, mid- to control the midfield all the way through the game because neither were giving it up, so... I was just saying that looking at Chelsea's run-in, it's very doable for them to finish in the top four. And maybe even third, because they wouldn't be far behind Leicester at that point. Yeah. There could be two blue teams in Europe. Three blue, uh, three blue teams, even. Three? Ooh, three blue teams. How many London clubs will end up being uh, playing in Europe? <sighs> Who knows? That's a... Open-ended question if there ever was one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if... It's only Chelsea and West Ham in Europe next season from London. Yeah, That's yeah, I wouldn't feels. be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Though, I feel Tottenham may sneak a UEFA Cup spot. More importantly, who's going to end up finishing as the top London club this season? Chelsea? Still? Come on. You reckon Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, it's only... Two points, it's fine. Or one point, it's fine, it's fine. We can do it. But yeah, West Ham is pride of London, man. <laughs> What's happening? It's an anomaly, damn it. Only by one point. Doesn't count. Just because we drew Southampton. But it's crazy, man. If London was its own country and had its own league, like Chelsea and Arsenal would have to compete for like the last Champions League spot because West Ham are good. <laughs> And next season we might even have Brentford. I've never heard one. Think you're really gonna go and drive me mad. Tell me why just can't shake you.
So, uh, the all this idea about talking about a London team, um, there's a few rumblings going on in football, as we know. Uh, FIFA has announced that they, any uh, player playing in a European, uh, uh, European-wide club competition or a European Super League, as they're nicknaming it, uh, will not be allowed to play in the World Cup. Which tells me two things: there's definitely going to be a European Super League <laughs> at some point. <laughs> And those players are definitely going to play in the World Cup. Yes. <laughs> it seems unlikely that that can be legally sound. I don't think FIFA can just tell people they can't play the competition. It would be like against their right to work wherever they want, etc., etc. Countries can't just be like discriminating because they happen to work at a different club if they qualify to play for that country. It would be a, a big barrel of worms legal. Yeah, legal I don't think. Rest of, yeah, I think crazy. pretty much. Uh, every country in the world today, barring a few, would have legal issues about you can't just discriminate against me because of where I work. Yeah, yeah. So the it's not going to be feasible. It's not even just UEFA, like Europe. It would be America. It would be South America. It would be Asia and Africa as well, and Oceania, of course. Yeah, yeah. So it's it wouldn't be enforceable anywhere. Um, now. If an European Super League is in, uh, inevitable, like what? What's the main thing we dislike about this? And FIFA, I think, are correct. They don't like the idea because they don't think it's competitive, and they think a closed league, uh, which doesn't allow new members in and doesn't have that pathway system, is actually going to stagnate the sport. Which I hundred percent agree with. Yes, definitely. So while I'm sure FIFA are not doing it for puristic football reasons, they want the money. It's be honest here. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, they we, definitely want the money. We shouldn't also count out that the uh, you know their arguments are sound. Now, I've given this a lot of thought. So if now I want to clarify before I begin here that I like our current structure. I wouldn't change it. But if yeah, change yeah. is going to come, us as fans, we need to like promote ideas of what we think it should be changed into. Because otherwise, they're just going to make the decision for us. And I will always clarify that, look, we should keep the current system the way it is. But if this is financially unsustainable, as a lot of these owners are saying, and they're just leaving too much money on the table, blah, blah, blah. I don't know enough about finance or economics to say one way or the other um, when it comes to these, uh, these football clubs. Um, but, you know. Uh, we should say what we think would be a good structure, and yeah, maybe they'll listen. Maybe. Well, if we don't say, they're not going. They're just going to yeah. do what's best for them, right? Which is just going to be fully about how much money can they make. So yeah, may as well make it a, a good fan sport as well by yeah putting yeah. ideas out there. My uh, main thing is, if we're going to have a European Super League, we need to have some form of relegation promotion. I ideally think they were talking about a 16-team league. I think that's way too few. I think way too few for all of Europe. Yeah, yeah, I think a 20-team league at a minimum. Yeah. And how I would implement this structure of 20-team leagues, because I think you could easily support four divisions. um, But I'm happy to leave it at two and to be expanded later into two bigger, you know, two more divisions. Yeah, yeah. 
propose it. Now, the main idea here is that the UEFA already has what they call their UEFA coefficient, which they use to rank all the clubs based on their performances in yeah, the yeah. last five years. And I think that's a pretty good indicator of what clubs should be in this top 20. Like yeah, The yeah. other plus side of this is of the 20 clubs that are in that top 20, I think the 12 members of the European Super uh, the League of European Super Clubs, as I'm going to call them, the top, uh, the top club people, they are all in there already. Yeah, yeah. So it, I think maybe barring one or two clubs, they'll be pretty close. Yeah, if they weren't there. And at least, and at, at least the top two divisions will include everyone. Yeah, exactly. I think, except for AC Milan, who've had a terrible last five years. Everybody's in that top two division, and AC, if we had a third division, AC Milan would be in there as well. Yeah, yeah. But don't quote me on that, obviously. And we'd also have Leicester City, who uh, would go into that third division if we were to set it up that way. Yeah. Now, we'd have the structure promotion relegation. I think standard bottom three teams relegated, top three teams promoted. You can have some sort of... Pro- playoff structure maybe top two teams automatically promoted and then three to six have a playoff for because you know money yeah money (laughs) yeah exactly Um, and that makes sense i guess but uh the other part of this is i think we at least i think the second revision should have something like that because that's going to be like the richest game in sport kind of thing right like the like how the championship playoff is right now now what comes under these division is what is really important. So I would keep the Champions League as is, but the Champions League would uh, basically work as a competition which feeds into those top tier. So in my opinion, the two finalists of the Champions League would automatically get promoted into the league, and the yeah. third, uh, the two losing semi-finalists would have a playoff to decide because once again, money, money, yeah. <laughs> um, and the relegated teams would go back to their nas- respective national leagues. Yeah. They would be promoted to the... We'd have a rule that they're promoted to the top division of that re- that league. But whether or not they get a Champions League spot is up to their local FA. And I think most of the local FAs would go, now nah, you have to play a year yeah, and yeah, yeah. earn that spot. So they would... To make things more interesting, I think a lot of these clubs with their national cup competitions, your FA Cups, your... Copa del Reyes and all that, they could still compete in these co- uh, cup competitions. I think the English, uh, the clubs would, any countries that have League Cups, Scotland, France, and England, the teams playing in the European leagues wouldn't play in that league because they're technically not in the English league system anymore. They're in the wider European yeah, yeah, yeah. league system. So that would make sense. And I had an idea for another European top tier cup competition which would be like a europe wide fa cup ah, so yeah, you'd yeah. have every team that qualified in the europa cup the champions league and all top four divisions competing for in a straight knockout competition so maybe the teams in the various top leagues get buys until maybe the top, the first division gets buys until the fifth round and then you go into quarterfinals i mean it's a structure yeah. that works itself out um I haven't quite worked out the jinx there, but I think just having another trophy, that's a European trophy for them to go uh, for the clubs to go for in that top four in those top four divisions is good. 
Yeah, yeah. You say it makes it sort of like the country nation um, leagues at the moment, which generally have a, a cup competition running alongside yeah. the league as well. Yeah. Um, so basically, you'd qualify. You'd play in a European Cup. You'd play in a uh, in your league if you were in the. T- and then you have the option of whether you ch- choose to play for your nation's cup yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think uh, I think that's plenty. Three competitions that yeah. gives everybody a thing. Um, I think I would keep the Europa League. I'd keep the the EFL league, the Europa Conference that they're deciding for the more lower ranked countries who don't yeah, qualify yeah. for Europa. Um, uh, and basically, those guys would get spots in this Euro, you know, this knockout cup because you, yeah. that's the whole romance thing. You want to have the lower division clubs potentially have a knockout game and knock out a big giant. Like that's what this is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the Cinderella story, right? Sometimes yeah, you get and, that. What I like about this structure is technically every mem- every club who's uh, in a UEFA member country can technically go in and go in the ladder and p- go one day perhaps end up yeah. being European champions or yeah, yeah. world champions. Yes, <laughs> I expect as I've thought of this as well. So the way to get FIFA to agree to these things without having lots of court cases and wasting <laughs> everybody's money on legal fees. Um, we uh, have what I call a FIFA Champions League on top yeah. as an international club competition. So just like now the top the top clubs are all playing in a in English league in the English league system, they're playing in an FA Cup, they're playing in a League Cup, they're playing in a European Cup, and they're playing in the league. That's four competitions. The top four teams in Europe would quali- would automatically qualify, and I had an idea for four other automatic qualification spots. So whoever wins the Champions League would get a spot. Yeah. Um, just because that gives something people still in the lower tier can try and play in these world competitions. Yeah, yeah. And it gives them a chance once again to knock people out and play. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the. And whoever wins the uh, European the knockout FA Cup, and obviously yeah. if one of those teams had already qualified by getting a top four spot, whoever's fifth would go. You know, usual yeah, rule. Yeah. You end up with something. Uh, my idea is you'd have eight automatic qualification spots from Europe into yeah. this competition, and then maybe you could have another four based on people, you know, going into the group you know, in the knockout rounds before qualifying for the group stage. All right, yeah, yeah. In my head, this FIFA Champions League would be 16 teams of four divisions of four, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe 20, and then you could slowly expand it to 20, 24, and then eventually 32. I think 32 is about right. Yeah, yeah. Once you get, say it's the whole world thing, so. Yeah. It's have to be. We're, I guess, a bit of, of travel and stuff. And that's because you're yeah. doing it a bit like the World Club um, champs at the moment, which is just over this set period of time, we all I have think these. You could, div- you could set divisions up. So yeah. you're initially going to be in groups with people in your own continent. Yeah, yeah. So in my head, if you had 32, I think you have eight in Europe. And the Americas would probably combine with eight. Yeah. With this would be with MLS... And whatever hybrid of MLS, League Mexico, and Canada is going to combine them too, because <laughs> yeah. it effectively looks like that's what's going to happen to that league. Yeah, yeah. 
which I think just inevitably means North America is going to have a similar structure to Europe anyway. They're going to have one yeah. league all across the board. Um, uh, but and so they, them and South America, like it would combine to eight because I think, like right now, the South American club scene is still probably producing better players and they've got a bit more money. But I can see the MLS, especially if it. If it does merge with League Me- the Mexican League and it becomes like basically the top tier North American League, it could be very competitive with the South American teams. Oh, definitely, yeah. It won't take a lot there. Yeah. And I thought maybe another eight from Oceania, Asia, and Africa combined. And you basically have another eight like wildcard slots. People who qualify from group stages from all the various continents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Isn't that's basically how you end up with 32? And the people from the wildcard slots, we try and keep them regionally close by, I guess, somehow. Yeah. Well, I guess that's just once you've got... You do the wild card spots as a qualification beforehand, right? Yeah. And once you've got the qualif- once you know who it is, then that's when you start splitting up the... The pools, yeah, yeah. but yeah, you try to group pools to be somewhat. I mean, regional. there'll be a few years when there's one team that has ridiculous travel, and like yeah, the yeah. FIFA just have to help them fund it. Yeah, exactly. So like and FIFA don't have plenty of money, so yeah, so that should be fine. Yeah, one of the things I like about this is potentially because the Phoenix are playing in Asia in the <laughs> AFC, and obviously New Zealand is in the OFC in Oceania. Yeah, and we could end up with two New Zealand teams in the FIFA Champions League. Yay! Waitakere FC playing the world in the world FIFA Champions League, representing two different continents. Excellent. Which I'm sure you agree is like the best possible outcome. Definitely. That 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 is the best. That is the the best reason to set it up this way. Like, let's just forget that, you know, the Phoenix have never won no. the, the A-League or whatever. No, not at all. We just, we'll just turn them into the breakers, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it's that easy. Oh, definitely. Somehow, we'll just make it work. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what do you think of my plan? I like it. I think you discussed it before. I didn't like the idea of the, the European... Super League like, concept. Don't get me wrong. I like things the way they are, but oh, yeah, I yeah. accept that it's un... It's probably not going to stay this way because there's too much money, right? Yeah, that's, that's too safe. much money being left at the table, or perceived by the owners to being left at the table. Yeah, they say if they're going to change it, this seems to be the way to change it. Because this way, you get very few games which are like, eh, who cares? There's the relegation yeah. battles, and there's the multiple divisions. So there's promotion battles and really, you know, promotion relegation battles. There's still the fight for the Champions Leagues in the lower level. Well. Yeah, well, exactly. It's like, and like the top league would be ridiculous. Like nobody yeah. would be guaranteed to stay up. Yeah. In that league, like it's. I mean, you get down to twenty is Napoli and Leon at nineteen. Yeah. Ajax, like they're teams that can beat the other teams that are above them easy. Yeah. So you know, it doesn't take a lot. It's going to be really competitive. Second league is Leipzig, Salzburg, Benfica. Like these are all top teams. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. Even, even the third ones, you know, Schalke, Bruges. And I also kind of like that there's a Ukrainian team in the top division, but not a Russian team. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. That is it, buddy. 
Um, so yeah, that's fine. And then yeah, you say you've still got the standard stuff now. I mean, it does, but it's going to happen anyway. Like, it does devalue the Champions League and the things. But yeah, I mean, eventually, I could even see it grow to something like an a four division eighty team top league. Because I think yeah. then you have a lot of variety, and like the the teams that would regularly stay in those bottom divisions are still, you know, they kind of fit it. Like teams like your Fenerbahce's, your Galatasaray's. Yeah, even if you go down to eighty, like you read up, these are all teams that play in some sort of European competition, as it is pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. So it's not yeah, like yeah. they're not used to flying around Europe, playing all over the place anyway. But the only reason I'm thinking they might not do that is because it's still kind of... Europe is small enough that it's you can travel as long as there aren't too many teams on the east coast of Russia. Like, the year Vladivostok get promoted to the to the top league is when you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, every <laughs> team's over. like, ah, eh, fuck. It's like it's over. <laughs> this experiment's <laughs> failed. <laughs> they might even end up having to introduce a rule that teams on the Asian side of Russia that you know are within a certain amount of time zones away have to like play in like a, their neighboring country's competition, which for Russia would be China or Korea, or you know. Then I guess the precedent is set because like Kazakhstan is technically in UEFA, right? And yeah. they have AK Astana have qualified for like decent levels in Europa League before. Oh yeah, there you go. I feel like if the way it's ranked now, it, it's got a lot of East European teams. I would, I would be interesting to see if teams like your the teams that are just out of it, like your Burnleys, your Everton's, your Southampton's, and especially your West Ham, yeah, would go in and start trying to make their way up because you know London could easily because at the moment London would have like four teams in the in that top division, yeah. But London could easily support five or six teams. On that final note, we should end it here. Thank you very much for listening and look forward to hearing you next time. Catch you next time.